Hello Mzansi, hello everyone. My name is Doreen Molefe and I'm your host for Turning Point, which is a show that celebrates people that have gone through uh, life-changing events and they have somehow uh, managed to change their lives, you know. So today we have Auxilerato Manaka and she will be telling us where she's from, a little bit about her history before we get to the, you know, the real questions as to why we are here. So Auxilerato. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Oscar, mm. for having me. Yeah. So tell, tell us a bit about yourself, you know. My name is Larato Manaka. I'm a mother of three, born and bred in the Free State. I am a crime prevention activist, and I'm also a parolee. Yeah. I've been hustling. I've been mm. yeah, out there in the street trying to find something that I can do because, you know, um, as um, parolees or rather ex-offenders mm. we are stigmatized so okay. we don't get second chances so i've been uh, everywhere trying to find where can i sustain my life with what okay you mm -hmm. you mentioned that uh, you said as parolees mm -hmm. or ex-con mm -hmm. if i or what's the 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 proper word, um, the proper naming naming it's ex-offender ex-offender yeah. Okay, yes. and you have an interesting past, but I'm, I'm sure your future is also quite interesting. You I'm know? hoping for so, that. So, yes. so can you tell us a bit about? You said you're from the uh, Free State. Where in the Free State? I was born in Valcom, and I grew up in Sasolberg. Oh, okay, Sasolberg and Valcom. Yes. All right. And then you said you're a mother of three. Yeah. Uh, and then your kids, when they look at you, how do they describe you as a mother? You seem to. <laughs> <laughs> my my bundle, my blessings, mm. my bundle of joys. When they look at me, they are, you know, they are appreciating every moment that they're spending mm. with me, simply because there was a time when I was taken away from them. Okay. So during that time, I think that's when they there was a hole between the three amongst amongst us. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when they look at me shame it's that motherly love mm. and they don't want to go away from me okay mm. so when was it when you were taken away from them i was incarcerated in 2017. 2017 yeah. is just like two years of almost okay. <laughs> it yeah. feels like two years ago yeah. but it was forever so in that place. yeah it mm. was forever can you tell us what what happened what led you to that i was sentenced okay i was convicted because of defrauding my ex employer. Oh. So what happened was I was blessed with a beautiful job working mm. in a trusted position okay. as a head office accountant. Mm. And in that position, I had access of my employer's bank accounts. Yeah. So what, then I, what I did then, um, I stole money from my employer's bank account and transferred it into my husband's account. And that's how we were arrested and convicted for I was for mm. fraud and he was in for money laundering. Okay, and then this this whole thing, um, w how did you get caught? Um, there was an anonymous email sent to my boss, my manager, mm. at that time saying that um, Larato has opened a bank account in the name of the company's name and she's busy transferring money into that account. Obviously, that's not the version. That's not how I did mm. it. But they couldn't ignore that whistleblowing, so mm. they started investigating. Yeah, from the investigations, they saw that indeed I was stealing money okay. from the company. If I may ask, from your side, did you ever think you'll get caught? 
when you are doing it is the reason why i know money it's they say money is the root of all evil yeah. but obviously they I'm, i'm not saying that maybe there was some some sort of a bottom line evil on that mm. but we all fall into certain situations because of you know certain uh, 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 aspects of our lives and whatever that we might be going through uh, at during that time so from your side what happened and did you ever think you, you'll get caught Look, um during that time I was going through a lot financially. Mm. Um I had so many commitments and my husband wasn't working at that oh. time. So there was only one income and we've got kids, we're staying here in Joburg, life is expensive. Mm. We needed to pay the school fees for the kids, travel to work and mm. back home. So it was just too much and here I am working in this trusted position, looking at this money mm. going in and out every day in and out. And then what what was going through my mind at that time more than anything was my life pressures, okay. my problems. Mm. So um to tell you the truth, I didn't think that I would get caught because at that time I was just thinking about my problems how am I going to get out of my mm. problems yeah so when you finally got caught you know <laughs> they say uh, it's an italian job i can when yes. you are trying to push that kind of business when you finally got caught what what went through your mind as a young black um woman because obviously i mean a lot of people that are known to do such it's it's usually men yes but from your side when when you finally you know that point when you when you got caught and you're like yeah eshiamo there's no turning back what 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 went through your mind i remember that day just like it happened mm. yesterday i arrived at work here comes my manager coming to the parking lot and saying to me that i thought somebody sent an anonymous email about you they saying you're stealing but i don't believe it mm. don't worry we're going to do investigations it's just going to be process and procedure mm. but if if you don't do anything don't worry about it at that time at that moment i started shivering because i knew once they start digging mm. they will find something sure. because i was able to hide all the transactions from the auditors external mm. and internal auditors now if they're going to start the investigations it means the focus will be on me and then i knew that this yeah. is it i'm going mm. in i remember when i was called into the boardroom for when they were interrogating me um asking me how did i do it who did i work with i was just in tears because I see the policeman just mm. in blue. You know, this is that. Yeah. Now it's Who happening. Yo. You know, uh. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go in and I don't know for how long. I'm thinking of my kids at that time. My tears, I could not even stop my tears from mm. rolling, you know, down my cheeks. And so, yeah, at that time I I knew I I just knew that there's no way out. But um funny enough, because of the investigations and how they conducted the investigations mm. even during the court um days yeah. the trial during the trial i kept on saying i didn't do it because i believed then there was no evidence that saying that it's lerato because oh. you know what i did i used everybody's credentials except mine to do those payments mm. and i pushed in, i pushed the payments on the system okay 
that they didn't know that this system can mm. communicate with the bank. Mm. I was the only one that knew that. So, um, so the mere fact that on the evidence that they're presenting, they don't, my there. name is not there. I kept on saying I didn't do it. Until six months into my incarceration, I thought to myself, who are you fooling, Larato? Mm. Because you did do it. Hmm. And then that's when I started taking this rehabilitation journey into heart to say, you know what, if I'm going to have to correct myself, hmm. I need to be honest with myself, forgive okay. myself, ask for forgiveness hmm. from those that have offended, hmm. and then forgive those that have offended me. And then, yeah, they have read the rest of history. Yeah, I know that's hectic. <laughs> so you said you only, your turning point where you decided, you know what, this was time for you to start being honest with yourself. It was six months into your incarceration. Mm -hmm. Is there something that led you to that? Did you have an mm -hmm. epiphany? Like, were you sleeping when you decided, you know what, let me change the way I think? Or did someone say something that led you to, you know, change how you were approaching life at that point? Yeah, um, you know, when you go inside... Um, the correctional center we often have we meet people inside okay. and obviously those people are strangers to mm. you and those um, amongst those people there will be those that love you for okay. who you are and then one of the women that adored me so much she was actually my present mother because we create our own little families mm. because um, we need to trust people you okay. know if I know that I won't be around during lunchtime, I need to be able to trust you that you will dish for me because others I don't trust and they might mm. poison me. So we create those little families. Okay. So this mother, this woman was my present mother. Mm. She said to me, because um, I was rebellious, I didn't want to listen, I had a lot of anger during the first six months. Mm. And then she said to me, Larato, don't you want to go to your kids early? I said, I do. She said, no, stop being involved in fights, start getting busy, you know, mm. be, be active, attend courses, do this, do mm. that. And then I listened to this woman. I, I thought to myself, you know, she's sharing this thing with me because she, uh, she's fond of me. Okay. And um, she, she, she mentioned one thing and said to me, you know, every time you go to the office, they're writing your file with a red pen and that file, you are taking it with you to the parole board. Mm. And then I thought to myself, I can't be here forever. And I see, she makes an example of, you see who and who mm. is here because of what, two, three, mm. and they are rebellious. They don't listen to, um, to, to officials. They don't follow rules and regulations. So they're going to uh, forfeit their mm. parole. And then I thought, you know what? I want to go see my kids. I've got small kids out there mm. and I don't want to spend my entire life inside here so let me change and make the best out of everything this ex especially the experience okay. to benefit me yeah wow that's it, that was the time are you still keeping me. in touch with this definitely. human being definitely yeah. i am definitely is she still inside no she came out um a year a year after me oh okay yeah
So what sort of fights were you involved in? <laughs> you know when when you you are just uh, sentenced and they say this is going to be your new home. Mm. You don't want to be there. I did not want to be there. So after, after school was after school. You mm. you know for one woman inside one cell, you can just imagine. Yeah. We're sharing one toilet. One small and a toilet. Two 41. showers. Forty one. One small toilet. One small toilet. Yo. So you you know how ladies we are. Mm. So um, obviously, I don't want people to boss me around. Mm. I don't want people to tell me what to do when you yeah. know. And because of the anger that I think, yeah, it was anger. I was angry. I didn't want to be there. So that that alone, I was being in every fight. I was there. Even when you look at me, I want to fight you for looking at me. <laughs> because yeah, that, that was anger. So yeah, especially our foreign sisters. Yeah, yo, you know they are big and tall, but you are like I will take you there. Get WWE inside. Yeah, so it was hectic. So yeah, those were the fights that um, mo- mostly gossip mm. as well. The the fights that are inside the female correctional centers is gossip, and then it's um, relationships here and there. But mm. I was not mm. part of those fights. Okay. Yeah, and and tell me, um, how long were you incarcerated for? I was actually sentenced to 12 years imprisonment mm-hmm. with a four-year suspended okay. sentence. So meaning is what? Eight? Eight years. Okay. So I had to serve eight years, but thank God for COVID. Well, everybody's cursing COVID. Mm. I'm thanking COVID okay. because I was inside for two years, six months, okay. and I got any parole due to COVID-19. Really? Yes. Wow. That's what I'm saying. I'm mm. not cursing COVID because yeah. that's how I got my freedom. Yeah. You see, mm. I came out as a person that went back to the community mm. to go ask for forgiveness, you know. Um, I did a whole lot of community outreach. Okay. So because of that, I think that they became, the system became lenient with me to okay. say, shame, she's trying. And I haven't absconded. Mm. I've always showed up when they asked for me. And I have two more months left in this whole journey. Oh my God. Really? Wow, that's great. That's great, Lerato. That's great. But there's nothing great about it because after two months, I must start counting 10 years a criminal record. Before your criminal record gets erased. And how old were you when you got uh, involved in all this? Or let's rather say, how old were you when you entered prison? Let's talk about the arrest because mm. that's when um, the criminal record oh. kicked in. I was 29 years old when okay. I got arrested, and that was in 20, uh, 2012. Okay. And then I was sentenced in 2017. I went in in 2017. Okay. So from 2019, mm. I already had a criminal record that's mm. saying pending trial. Okay. So I could not work for any financial institution okay. anymore. And then, even now? Even now, still. And then, what did you study uh, before? Um, business management. Okay. However, I found myself working as accounting roles mm. until my, my criminal activity. Okay. But now that you, I mean, it's a lesson that you've learned mm-hmm. and you have turned your ways, uh, you found your own turning point and redefined your life. 
so you you got um, incarcerated mm-hmm. and then you got paroled right mm-hmm. uh, how do you survive because right now if we're going back to the thing that's a uh, we need to fight the system to make sure that people with criminal records get employed. When you are paroled, you are left to go to the same communities or the same community that you are part of. Mm-hmm. Then this time around, for your instance, you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. So how do you then survive to make sure that you don't end up doing the same thing? This is one of the reasons why I um, opened up a non-profit organization called okay. Mudia Mangala Foundation. It was what is it called? Mudie Mungane Foundation. Right. It was basically to fight that because we don't want to reoffend, and there are absolutely no opportunities out mm. here, out here, especially for us that have offended before. So with this uh, organization, we are basically addressing all the socio-economic issues that mm-hmm. are affecting um, ex-offenders, such as unemployment. So we, we, we started um, keeping ourselves busy by doing art, drama, choir here and there into the community mm-hmm. as, a, for, uh, as part of the community outreach and also to educate people about crime and the impacts of crime. <laughs> so when we started doing those outreach, yeah, that's when we started getting more support from those individuals that are feeling sorry for us or that Mm. can see that indeed these people have um, changed their lives. So um, unfortunately, we don't all have Mm. qualification. You know, when you go inside the correctional center, the only free qualification you can get is up until metric. After metric, you have to find your means of paying because you are registering with UNISA mm. and other accredited um, universities or tertiaries. So you have to pay for your own fees. So uh, um, others could not afford to pay for their fees. Oh. So I was fortunate because I went in with my qualifications. Oh. So when I came out, those um, people, my, my clients, mm before because remember I had five years during trial so in that five years I was already tapping into a business environment so hence um, my PR hence mm. um, brand managing the uh, engineer Papa mm. Benny and stuff so when I came out it was mm. very easy for me to go to individuals yeah. build trust again and mm. start doing uh, generating income by rendering my services to them mm-hmm. be it accounting or marketing whatever the case may be all right now that you have mentioned <laughs> papa penny penny the greatest uh, artist in from limpopo you yes. know internationally acclaimed um i think it, is it bubblegum yes the type of music that yeah. he does yeah, how disco. did yeah disco. disco how did you guys meet mm-hmm. uh, tell us about that how we met um, with Papa Penny, I had hosted a show mm. for Matima. Matima, Matima the singer. I yes, don't sing. Yes, yes. Okay. The show was in Limpopo. Okay. She had just um, came out of idols. Came out of idols, yeah. yeah. So we went and did a comeback home in the right. homecoming yeah. in the is it before or after you were incarcerated it was before oh okay all of that was before i went How? <laughs> so okay. from yeah. from accounting i managed to maneuver myself mm. 
and then I, I hopped into entertainment. Okay. And then, yeah. So when I hosted a show, what happened was Papa Penny came to Meropa. Okay. And he was like, I've heard so much about you. I've been looking for you. Please, can you help me? My music need mm. to. I was like, ah, Papen, you're too old for music. Okay. Let's try <laughs> something else. Because, you know, um, before that, he was with he was with Clash of the Choir. So I saw from the social okay. media that, no, they actually like him talking more than singing, you know? And then what's the story that uh, you guys owe each other money? Did you get paid or who got paid or who didn't get paid? Who owes you know who what happened? Okay. Obviously, I was managing his brand. Mm. And then um, we were doing Papa Penny Ahe at that okay. time. It was the reality the, show. Yeah, the reality okay. show, first season. So when um, Multi Choice said to me, look, uh, give us your pay company documents so that we uh, register mm. you in our uh, system as a service provider. I was like, you know what? Um, I don't have my my my, my tax and mm. in, in case because I was unemployed. I was hustling, oh. so it was very difficult. Okay. I'm like, no man, I trust Papa Penny. I've been on this road with Papa Penny. Mm. Papa Penny, your company documents are right. Yeah, yeah everything is fine. Like Papa Penny, let's submit yours. Mm. Then you'll give me my portion when they pay into your account. Okay. And that's how I got it wrong. Oh. So when the money went in, I remember very well. It was so hard to do that show without without money. He kept quiet. He didn't say anything. He's like, no. Machangura are here. We're waiting hey. for money. How? Now we're shooting the last episode. Still nothing. I'm like, I am phoning them. They were like, no, we paid the first payment. Because when I phoned, I'm going through the contract. Mm. You, you had um, promised us, according to clause, you know, mm. they're like, no, we did pay into this account. Yeah, and that's when the fighting started. And I remember because now the singers, mm. the band, they were all coming to me looking for them. Yeah. Obviously, I had nothing. I'm like, okay, go to Papa Bini, all mm. of you guys. So because I'm the one with the biggest mouth, I didn't get paid. Okay. He paid others, I think, two months later oh, uh, after okay. we've made so much noise. Mm. After I even attempted to go stop the show, mm. you know, I did do it. But Multi um, Show said to me, look, look at it from a branding perspective mm. because you are also going to grow when he grows. Mm. So, yeah, that's the only reason I let the whole show play. And then there was 2017. I, when they called me for season two, I was already judged guilty, mm. and I knew that you know what, You're we are fine. I'm going in, and I, I didn't tell anybody. He also didn't know. So when you got incarcerated, you already said you're pretty much. How about three weeks later into my incarceration, headlines? Oh, Papa Penny's manager and husband. Hey. Okay, so that's how the whole thing came about. Yeah. Before then, it could have no gone quietly. Mm. No one knew. Okay, and then how did you feel about the whole thing? Sure. Imagine sitting inside the prison cell. Officials are coming. 
one by one with you say. <laughs> so you stop a Pakistani. I'm busy explaining. No, it's not a Pakistani. This thing happened way before mm. I met him. Yo, Baba Penny's fans even came. inside. No, not inside. Outside. Yeah. They came to come see visit me. I visit remember in a, a nice visit or a protest. Nice visit. They oh. they register individuals though. Mm. And then when that slips comes and says, I'm like, who's this? Okay, let me go see who, mm. who's paying me a visit. When I get there, the person doesn't even know me. The first sentence, why did you do that to Papa Pen? Imagine, visit the room. I'm like thinking, I don't. <laughs> so during that time, how was it? Hi, remember no. I, still, I was still angry that mm. I did not want to be there. So it was, yeah. No. Did you try and fight them? No, I just, I, others I just put up and left them as they are. Because <laughs> I had no energy mm. in me. Because people don't know the story. Mm. You understand? Yo. So the fans, they stopped you inside prison. Look, they came there. What did you do? What did you do? What are what you, did you do to Papa Penny? So you stole his mind. Wow. They don't even read the stories. They just look at the headlines hey. and like, ah, oh, yeah, Papa wow. Penny. Okay. <laughs> No, that's hectic, okay? Eh? But I guess we learn. We learn from from our mistakes and, and sure. Um you have mentioned everything and everyone. Where is the husband in all this? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, um we went in okay. the two of us, but he got released six months before me. Oh. Sun City as well. Eh? Sun City, but he was in Sun City for three weeks and then he asked to be moved to where? To Lokop for why? It's only for us, the tough ones. Yeah, yeah, because we label male side, it's worse. Oh, um, the MPO we've extended, expanded our mandate to also deal with um, mm. male offenders, parolees, and ex offenders. So, the stories that we hear. Is somebody will call in and say, you know what, I've got a problem, please help me. I got arrested, and in my first night in prison, I was raped by 15 Yo. men, mm. and now I'm HIV positive. So those are the things that are happening in the male prison side. Mm. So I think that he couldn't take it, and then he's like, mm. I want to be moved. So he was moved to four ways. Okay. So he was released six months before me. And he went to his parents' house, okay. and because obviously we lost everything, mm. even the house and everything. So uh, when I got released, because my kids were with my mom, oh. I chose to go to my kids, oh. and that's how unfortunately we started drifting apart. So there is no love in the. It's gone. Damn, I was askies. You know, it's I thought okay. it's about the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Uh -huh that you do it's gone Shane. but how are you dealing with the whole thing the the whole experience that uh, it started with are you allowed to tell us the amount that you had taken from <laughs> your uh, former employer and also how did you spend the money if it's possible uh, mm. I are you yeah sure I can okay. I can speak but before it. can you tell us about um, okay, you're saying that you lost the relationship, you lost the house. 
but the, obviously uh, a heartbreak it causes some sort of a discomfort you know it takes a while to heal from that how are you healing from because now we're talking about your experiences uh, prison your kids now having to live without their mother your relationship now going sour and you coming out and you have nothing how are you dealing with that to be honest to be honest with you mm. um it hasn't been easy um i'm not gonna lie to you it has not been easy okay um but one thing that i can tell you is i think because when i came out i suffered from trauma there was a time in my life where i was diagnosed with um when the trauma therapist said to me you know what Lerato, trauma is stuck in your body it doesn't know where to move so i was introduced to trauma release exercises mm. so to answer your question how am i dealing how am i coping i am um, i'd say to you that more than anything in my when i look at my whole life my biggest fear was going inside prison mm. and when that happened if we anything else afterwards did not matter hmm. so i can take in any challenge any battle any time because i've survived my biggest fear okay so um even with the loss of the house material hmm. things and all that i've always known that when the time is right i will regain those things just okay. material things but for my sanity my 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 health my mm. body for my kids sake i need to do me first okay i need to take care of me first you you mentioned that when when you got released you mm. that's when you started to see or then manifest this trauma that was stuck in your body mm -hmm. can you tell us how this trauma manifested what sort of signs um or things you went through because obviously trauma is just a a statement or yeah. it's just the overall diagnosis of everything else that is happening yeah. but in terms of the whole trauma how did it manifest because people will say okay fine she went to prison she got out what more do we want again okay but you have to go to sleep mm -hmm. you have to live your life you have to wake up in the morning what yeah. sort of things hindered you from living and were swallowed by this trauma um i'd say to you my past experience my childhood um was not a nice one so um my parents were extremely busy with their own lives mm. that they were not part of my own so they didn't know what was happening in my everyday life and from that i became a people's pleaser mm. and then i developed um the fear of rejection okay so um and also losing my dad at the age of 21 as well so no that's fine <laughs> um when it happened sure yeah no i was here in Gauteng mind you i have no relative in Joburg mm. so it was just me here in Joburg so when it happened that's when my my mother stopped uh, supporting me financially and six months after the passing of my father my mother introduced me to my stepfather and not only did she introduce but my stepfather had already moved into my, my father's house so all of that mm. you know had no place in my heart so i that's when i started 
choosing the lifestyle that I chose, which is drinking a lot because mm. I don't want to forget about my life pressures. I want to, yeah, I started partying every weekend. I started smoking and stuff like that. And everything that I did, mm. the lifestyle that I chose, demanded money. Hence, now um, I ended up okay. committing the crime. So when I went inside, I think with the incarceration as well, because it's five years outside, you know, this thing's coming, this mm. thing's coming. So eventually when it came and when I was released, I started wanted to, I, I immediately wanted to be out there, okay. maybe find job, a job, find something. I didn't give myself time to adjust to the outside world. So when everything started, it started with pains in my body. Sometimes it would be the elbow, sometimes mm. the knee, sometimes the ankle, you know. And I thought, ah, maybe I'm overworking my body. I didn't think oh. too much about it I, until I went for an interview. Somebody that was watching the interview immediately phoned me after the interview. It's the trauma therapist. It's like, I just saw you. You are mm. not okay. Can we meet? And then when we met, it's like, that's when the diagnosis happened. Okay. So tell me about the signs that you have because I can tell that you're not fine. I'm like, yo, my body's mm. aching. Sometimes it's, it's like, yeah, that's when the trauma is moving around because trauma is stuck in your body. Yeah. It doesn't know where to go. Mm. Hence, it's moving around. And then she introduced me to trauma release exercises. Said to me, go on YouTube mm. every day, do those exercises. And when I started doing those exercises, I started getting better. Okay. I could not even wear a close shoe or a high heel mm. because sometimes it will pain from nowhere. Okay. Mm. So the results of being incarcerated, the results of going through the trial, uh, your 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 way of saying that you you feel or you, you don't like rejection, right? Mm -hmm. So you end up being incarcerated, you come out, it doesn't stop there. There's mm -hmm. more to this life that you still need to process, which I'm assuming you're still processing even now. Yes, true. So so, so what what is your, I don't want to say the foundation, but what is the base of you trying to be okay? Something that keeps um, you going when the going does not go as easy as people think you know um i'd really i want to give credit to the department of correctional center or correctional services rather for giving us opportunities to do rehabilitation programs mm. there's one program that i did prior before release okay before before that one when you enter the correctional mm. center there's a program called New Beginning. Okay. Now, this this program, they teach you about adjusting to this now new setup, your new home, mm. which is now prison. Prison, okay. To say that um, they, 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 they prepare you mentally to say that, look, this is your new home, these are your new families, and mm. this is what's going to happen. And then prior, before my release, um, there's a course called Pre-release, yeah, it's mm -hmm. called pre-release. So this course, they, they already 
preparing you for the outside world to say, look, the society is not going to accept you. The society mm -hmm. is not going to give you second chances. But continue being good to the, to, to, to the people because you don't want to come back here, you know. So all the, those lessons, including a course that I did called Forgiveness, where they taught me that in order for you to move on, you need to forgive yourself yeah. and ask for forgiveness from others. Hence my now outreach okay. to the community. So all of that, yeah, I took it with me. And those were the lessons that I implemented when I came out mm -hmm. to say, irrespective, okay. so let me continue being me because this is my journey and I need to make sure that I'm okay at the end of the journey. So with everything else that you have learned, gone through, even on the outside or both from the outside and inside, or mm -hmm. inside or outside, uh, would you today tell us that the correctional service does correct or does do a corrective um, or is it a corrective system from from your own example of the things that now the positive things that you're telling us the steps of being told that this is your new home being um, prepared for prison and also being prepared for your pre-release you know what this is like I said earlier, the system is there, it has been implemented, but mm. I think it favors those that are inside more than those that are outside. Oh. Because I believe that as much as you are saying you have corrected me mm. and you have given me parole to say that I'm now okay to go out there. Yeah. So you are supposed to show the community that you believe in your system by employing me or recommending me for work. Okay. But if you don't do that, how else is the community going to trust or believe or have faith in the system that indeed people that are going into that center are going there to be corrected? I will say in my own words that I always say that um, because I benefited from the system inside, I always say I don't go to prison but I went to a correctional center, a place where I went to go correct my mistakes because I came out with beautiful lessons mm -hmm. about life in general as well. Mm -hmm. But outside here, we're all alone. Horrible. We are on our own. The system has completely forgotten about us. So what do you think they need to do to correct that? Um, <clears throat> I still think that in order for, for us not to re-offend because there's a high number of people that are re-offending because they, it's not easy out mm. here. <clears throat> so they need to be there to hold our hand every step of the way and walk with us in this journey. For instance, if you can't employ me, recommend me elsewhere for okay. employment. But don't just leave me hanging. You cannot give me a skill inside. The taxpayers are paying for it and you're not doing anything afterwards. So I'll go out with paper certificates. I'm going to sit at home with those because the system here, it's saying, ah, people with criminal mm. record, and yank. Mm. Yeah, well. yeah, I can see that. So what does the future look like for the rat? I know you're doing a lot, like mm. part of a pageant where they decided to mm. check you out because of a criminal record. What more? I know you are also nominated for an award. Uh, what are the, those awards called? 
What are you nominated for? Um, I'm nominated for, um, as a woman that's bringing change, a change maker, a change okay. agent um, in our society. So, um, yeah, I'm nominated for that. Uh, so basically what it means is it's somebody that has recognized my efforts mm. of making our communities a peaceful one. Okay. Because I go around communities spreading the message that crime, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's people that have seen me in this journey and they thought, you know what, let's give her recognition. So, in terms of the future, I don't know what the future holds for me. Mm-hmm. I don't. I am just taking it as it comes every day. What would you like the future to hold for you? Because, oh. I mean, really, for, for it to I manifest, you need to... Money from heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I just want... I feel I feel I've gone through a lot, man. Mm. I just want a break for once in my life so that I can breathe again. Because I sometimes feel like sometimes I feel like I'm suffocating, you know? Mm. And I can't break down in front of my kids. I need to be able to say to them, Guys, you've seen mommy's story mm. and mommy not even once did she ever give up, even though how difficult it was. Mm. And I want them to be able to say, in the midst of it all, she was able to stand up, dust herself, mm. and continue the okay. journey. I think, yeah, the lesson here is continuing the journey, moving forward, reinventing yourself, and continue to do whatever possible way to make sure that you, can, you don't go back to the life that you lived yes. before. I don't ever uh, want to go back yeah, there. I think our journey also ends here. Unless if there's more that you want to say. Um, <clears throat> you know, I talk a lot. I never want to stop Kuluma. talking. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for the interview. If, if I'm giving an opportunity mm. to speak with our listeners, I would say, you know what? Um, it might take you a life-threatening experience for you to change your life. For me, it took me to go inside a correctional center to change my life. And that was a turning point. Hmm. This woman is going to steal my show. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said you were not um, worried about being arrested that some of you were committing the crimes. What was happening when you were in the Oh. Yeah. When I was it, um, I was going, I was just thinking about my own problems. So, um, there was just one income, and the commitments were too much. And the lifestyle that I've chosen, I want to party every weekend, I want to drink, all of that demanded money. So, I was not thinking about, oh, they're going to suffer financial losses now. I was just looking at me, 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 and my problems, and that's it. And then you get an opportunity like that comes again, and then you see, I should just say, if I didn't go, come to prison, maybe. But, you know, in prison, one day is like a hundred days. So that's a, a place that I never want to go back there at mm. all. So there have been attempts, 
I mean temptations, sorry, not attempts, mm. temptations. But because I think about where I come from, I immediately stay far. Temptations are there, hence you have a high number of people re-offending. Okay. You'll find people inside, but back to that after, they back inside. When mm. you ask them, it's like, yo, it's tough outside, mm. you know? And because they always come and say, Lagato, you don't know one, two, three. I'm like, I don't know nothing. Uh, okay, well, just last one. Um, your husband and like your marriage, it has fallen apart. Do you have any resentment, resentment towards your husband or uh, for his lack of trying or getting with you? Or you, like, do you have any resentment towards him because you guys were in this together? <clears throat> Um, you know, when, when I was just released, yeah, I think it was more of, I was disappointed in him for not being here with us, you know, trying it together and stuff. He's with his parents. I'm all alone. You know, I was, it was more of disappointment. And then because I'm trying to, to, to win at this thing called life. I kept trying and trying and trying. So what I felt for him kind of like suppressed more than what then I want to I want to sustain my life and my kids' life. You're trying for what? Love back? Uh uh I don't try for love. Oh. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> no, oh. there's plenty of fish in the sea. Oh, okay. I ain't doing that. All right, fisher, fisher woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, this life must go on. Hey. I can't be holding on to the past. You know, there's a beautiful saying that says, when one door closes, the mm. other one opens. Okay. But we often look at the closed doors that we can't see. Other op uh, op the ones that are open. Exactly. Okay. So in, this is exactly. What I in my situation that I don't wanna go back there. Look at the closed doors. Oh, because I'm going to miss the swells that are opening here. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Girl, one assistant.